Welcome to Blockchain Recorded, the podcast for the tech curious, where we talk about anything and everything related to the exponentially evolving crypto, blockchain, and Web 3.0 space. Our mission is simple, to share knowledge, facilitate discourse, and help evolve education in blockchain fundamentals, decentralization solutions, and relevant use cases for today's digital economy. We at Blockchain Recorded are not registered investment advisors and do not deal with financial or trading token elements, nor offer any licensed financial services. The content of this podcast is for informational and educational purposes only, while the opinions of all parties involved are their own. I'm your host, Nina Tserar, and now let's talk blockchain. So before I introduce our guest today, I have a couple of brief updates for our community. We invite everyone to join us on Twitter Spaces, where we pre-stream each episode the day before it goes public on all major podcast platforms. For the platform list, visit our website, blockchainrecorded.com. This episode is dedicated to the Web3 Stronger Together ecosystem initiative and its first virtual summit, which took place between March 1st and March 4th, 2023 in Evelyn's Metaverse, a virtual platform uniting several hundred Web3 leaders and thinkers, over 100 projects and speakers, and over 5,000 attendees from across the world. The purpose of Web3 Stronger Together, with which Blockchain Recorded is a proud media partner, is to demonstrate to the crypto community that the Web3 ecosystem is strong, solidary, active, and committed to furthering innovation despite the status of the market and nature of price speculations. It emphasizes the importance of fairness, inclusivity, diversity, and sustainability to furthering healthy Web3 fundamentals. The summit included many panel discussions with assigned topics, which Blockchain Recorded is redistributing in audio form. The sixth panel discussion on March 1st covered the topic of monopoly to mutualism with respect to Gamify and Web3 transforming business models of the gaming industry. The speakers were Kyle White, a mentor at Techstars, among other ventures, and co-founder of Interstellar Digital, Katerina Volkova, a co-founder of Rio Group and chief strategy officer of RTC, Colin O'Brien, head of PR at Rubik, and Artem Gribanov, co-founder of Blockcheck Lab. The panel first identifies the issue of playability and usability versus centralization and decentralization, as well as main challenges within Gamify. The speakers agreed the evolution of gaming business models will further evolve from play to earn. They discussed the challenge of tokenomics and onboarding solution approaches with a call to work in unison to further the space of gaming and Web3. The following is the panel's discussion hosted by Laurent Perello, the leader behind the Web3 Stronger Together ecosystem initiative. We do apologize for potential audio drops due to choppy internet connections. We edited the recording to the best of our ability. I'm really glad to welcome Colin, Katerina, Kyle and Artem to discuss about uh, from monopoly to mutualism on how GameFi and the Web3 are transforming the business models of uh, gaming. Uh, we had uh, this morning a uh, few really interesting uh, panel discussion, and I'm sure that our uh, current uh, guest will deliver really uh, valuable uh, insight. So uh, first, let's uh, introduce each one. Katerina, up to you in a few words oh, who well. you are. And the main uh, question, shortly, if you can, I really do appreciate the, the why and I mean why you are involved in doing what you do and uh, what you expect to, to bring uh, to the world uh, void-free ecosystem. Sure. Um, well, this, uh, just first of all, thank you so much, Laurent, for uh, inviting me here. And uh, uh, thank you all the panelists uh, who are joining. I think um, 
our discussion is going to be really fruitful. Uh, my name is Katrina Volkova. I am a co-founder of Rio. And uh, at the same time, I'm a chief strategy officer of uh, RTC. It's a marketing agency. And at the same time, we have incubation. We have also small fund. I am also co-organizer of uh, Meta Foresight. Uh, it's uh, uh, one of the global events uh, that is upcoming in Hong Kong, uh, dedicated to Web3 mostly. And uh, at the same time, I'm advisor to some projects in Gamify, DeFi, and uh, VR space. So talking about myself, I joined blockchain in 2016, 2000, like uh, early 2017 when it was first bull run, then uh, people were just investing, uh, investing crazily in blockchain space without reading white paper, without uh, looking at economics and understanding what the project is about. And uh, for me, I joined, the, I didn't invest that time um, because uh, I was uh, working with some traditional funds and uh, actually like uh, I also launched two startups of mine and I was uh, looking at uh, blockchain as something new, something that uh, is going to change the world, change financial system, because before I was uh, used to being diplomacy. So uh, for me, everything regarding uh, the world, it's um, somehow important, I could say. And um, I do believe that uh, Web3 is going to be a game changer for the whole ecosystems, uh, not talking about financial ecosystem, talking about business industry, uh, talking about even healthcare, and talking about uh, just uh, countries globally, because uh, we already see that uh, main blockchain leaders like CZ, also Ripple, also Vitalik, they're supporting different countries, uh, emerging countries all over the globe. And we also see blockchain uh, uh, changing the landscape uh, of businesses. More and more companies would like to implement blockchain and so mm, their space. Well, that's it. I hope I covered all the questions. Then <laughs> up to you. Thank you, uh, Katarina. Hello, all. Nice to meet you. It's a pleasure to be here. My name is Artem. Uh, I'm one of the co-founders of the Blockchecker and Lab. That is a web-free uh, software house with the focus on the blockchain gaming. And also we are startup studio that incubates um, projects on different stages, uh, especially from the technical expertise. And the last year we are focusing on the tone and in Prague, we are running a local toll hub for developers and entrepreneurs. Welcome again. Kai, yeah. welcome. Hello everyone. Uh, my name is Kyle White. Uh, I am the co-founder of Interstellar Digital's uh, venture arm. I also help blockchain companies and traditional companies uh, that want to uh, do a SPAC through SPAC Deals Club. Uh, I was first exposed to uh, Bitcoin actually through uh, Silk Road uh, when it was very difficult to uh, onboard fiat dollars uh, onto Bitcoin at that time. I don't even know if I should be saying I participated in Silk Road, but it was only for absence. So uh, I hope I don't get in any trouble. Uh, but then from there, um, at Techstars, I started to kind of get a little more exposure to the Ethereum uh, ecosystem. And then I joined uh, the Bank to the Future, massive ICO, uh, one of the first large ICOs back in the day. Um, so then now I focus on helping companies with their tokenomics and helping them scale. I uh, write market updates for Cointelegraph. You've probably seen some of my uh, articles like why Bitcoin's up today, why Bitcoin's down today. So I like to do a lot of different analysis on what's going on in the market, both at a macro level and a micro level. But I tend to focus on on-chain uh, analysis. I, I like the data. I don't like the speculation. Uh, not a hype boy, not don't consider myself a vegan. I like on-chain data, and that's kind of what I hope to bring to this discussion today. Thank you, uh, Kyle. And 
Colin, nice to meet you, Colin. I didn't get the chance yet to meet you. I'm a Runic user, uh, mostly on a daily basis. <laughs> awesome. Love to hear it. Everybody, I'm Colin O'Brien. I am the head of public relations for Rubik. Uh, Rubik is a cross-chain tech aggregator. Uh, it, we are unifying uh, the architecture of Web3 to make it accessible for everybody, regardless of what chain ecosystem you are involved in. Uh, I got back into crypto in 2016, 2017 um, as an investor uh, and started working in the space uh, for the last couple of years, few years now and been hooked ever since. Uh, I'd like to throw out there too, based on the discussion today that I've been a gamer pretty much my entire life. Since I can hold a controller at the age of three, uh, I've been playing games. So hopefully I can bring some of that to uh, the discussion today. Thank you, Colin. I'm really, uh, I'm not a, ga a gamer personally. Uh, I assume I used when I was young, but it's uh, so far away, 40 years ago. Uh, so you can imagine uh, what kind of game I could use, <laughs> uh, you know, ping pong. <laughs> and I'm really uh, impatient to hear uh, the thought about uh, the, the today's topic. Uh, from monopoly to uh, mutualism, how GameFi and Web3 are transforming the business model of uh, the gaming industry. To introduce the topic, you, you know, I, I'm often invited as a speaker and on, on, on stage, I, I, I used to... Uh, to tell to people that uh, we are often um, afraid or scared about uh, the bear market or a strong regulation could impact our industry, our ecosystem. But uh, I, I say that the main, in my point of view, the main uh, risk danger is uh, seeing emerging a centralized decentralization. <laughs> so we are talking, taking the, the opposite point of view regarding the uh, gaming industry. Uh, what is your point of view? Who, who want to to start and engage this uh, this debate? I, I can start, or oh, okay, I don't know. Okay. Okay. So then I will start. I will not cover all the points because I think we are aligned in lot of them. So I would start probably with the the possibility, uh, like before we saw gaming industry highly centralized and uh, uh, we saw that uh, only producers of game actually they have the power in gaming and nowadays uh, i think that uh, the main uh, thing that web3 brought like it's the possibility of owning something inside the game and uh, so this possibility of ownership of interoperability because after that uh, once you own some i don't know like uh, either character that you bought via nft or some tool that you bought via nft you could later on resell it on different platforms. And uh, here I'm talking about not only like particular chain platform, but uh, I'm talking about particular one platform. I'm talking about multiple platforms, multiple chains, multiple, um, I don't know, like it might be even in game. And um, here we are basically like going from centralized model, highly centralized model and uh, of uh, game producers to more decentralized model. and. Maybe uh, you guys can uh, continue because otherwise I could talk about it forever. So yeah. uh, one uh, thing I guess I will note. Oh, sorry there, uh, Colin. I'll, I'll keep going. But uh, really, I think a lot of it has to do with playability and usability uh, versus centralization and decentralization. Because a lot of what we're seeing go on into the space is these game studios, these AAA game studios are the ones who are becoming kind of the most successful um, when it comes to people actually wanting to play the game. Uh, we saw a huge, you know, in Web 2, it was uh, freemium 
models, you know, that drew these people in, gave them all these useless tokens. So at least now with the blockchain, maybe you can get something that is a, you can resell, like Katarina said. Um, but the people still need to want to play the game. If it's too slow on the blockchain because it's all on chain, or if uh, the user isn't having a good time because of the quality of the game, mass adoption is not going to be as quick as we think. Um, when you look at something like uh, Roblox or uh, even a Minecraft, um, those kind of allow a creator ecosystem uh, within themselves, and they're not necessarily on the blockchain and Web3. But anyone could kind of be a creator in those ecosystems. So I do believe it is good for uh, maybe independent creators, but we necessarily haven't seen that uh, develop yet within the space. It's definitely something that we look forward to, uh, but we really haven't seen it yet. Colleen? I could uh, here slightly debate because uh, if you see like DeFi, like for sure we uh, haven't seen uh, these uh, AAA games uh, come into blockchain space yet. But I know that Ubisoft, for instance, they are working on some implementation of blockchain into the gaming industry, but they are very, very cautious about it. I just have a good friend of mine in Ubisoft. and Ubisoft is a, one of the leading game, uh, game producers. So talking about like, for instance, DeFi kingdoms, it's a whole ecosystem. And you even can merge different uh, personages to have one of them. I don't know, like it's one of my favorite games in gamify space. And uh, also you have different options and uh, for like savings for also um, RPG, you know, like, so it's interesting. And the pixel art actually is pretty cool. Uh, or talking about Zilika, who is trying to create like, a system about uh, like around using different games. And uh, they are launching in 2023, I think, like pretty soon. They announced that they're going to launch their own console similar to Xbox that is like very similar to like normal gaming console. But it's going to be implemented like blockchain, uh, like slide blockchain in it. Oh, and I'm not saying that it's impossible, but I think that we still have a way to go because what we're seeing data-wise on chain is that gamers are preferring a more centralized blockchain like a Hive or a Wax versus Ethereum. I mean, Wax has 34% of all total uh, Web3 gaming players. They're on Wax. That's not necessarily the most decentralized blockchain. Uh, so that's what, 300 and time, 310 times more uh, than Ethereum um, gamers. So I, I do think that gamers right now at least are willing to sacrifice a little bit of decentralization for faster and cheaper gameplay. Yeah, I would agree on it. Colleen? Yeah, I would agree with that assessment. You know, I think it's going to be um, a few more years until we see AAA publishers and developers get into the space in earnest because the the architecture isn't quite there yet. The infrastructure isn't quite there to handle, uh, you know, tens of millions of players in, uh, you know, a single game, um, especially like a persistent online game, um, looters and things like that, that are going to require a lot of NFT generation, uh, and, uh, distribution to individuals. But, um, I'm really, as a gamer who spent thousands of dollars on downloadable content, um, I am very excited at the prospect of being able to retain some of that value. Uh, if I, you know, play a game for a couple of years and then I find something else that, that, you know, interests me more, I don't feel like those, those assets are lost right now. You don't, those are worth nothing, right? Like the company owns that. So 
um, the, the business models of the future, being able to own those digital assets and then resell them on the open market to give, to give the free market, the ability to price these items based on rarity. Um, you know, the, the time it takes to earn them and things like that. It's really attractive to me as a gamer. Um, and so I'm very, very excited to see a lot of these web two companies in gaming adopt this web three model. Now I do think there will be some type of, uh, hybridization of, of centralization and decentralization, but you know. Uh, eventually it's going to get to the point where we have uh, such a, a robust gaming ecosystem across multiple blockchain networks. Uh, one of the things that has me really excited is the ability of, of cross IP sharing. You see that a lot today with, with Fortnite partnering up like Activision and, and, and Ubisoft partnering up. Um, a lot of different game studios are, are doing cross collaboration. Uh, the individual ownership of digital assets is going to make that cross collaboration uh, a lot easier. And it's going to entice people from different gaming communities to jump into other communities to participate. So I think it's going to, to just increase the robustness of the gaming community as a whole. Thank you, Colin. Artem, what is your personal experience point of view? Uh, I understood you are uh, directly uh, concerned by uh, the, the, the topic too. Okay. So thank you uh, very much. I agree with all what was uh, told before. And from my side, I want to notice uh, a few approaches how blockchain today is used in the gaming industry. So the first, of course, it is a monetization tool, a fundraising tool, and uh, out of the box secondary market platform that game developers can use to build their game economy. And uh, other, other approach uh, is uh, integrational tool. So it's kind of a new approach that can use game developers to build uh, not only one game, but being integrated into the whole game ecosystem of other companies and projects that is built, build it, building on one particular blockchain. And uh, for example, one of the cases is uh, Ready Player Me, the ecosystem of avatars, for example, that could be integrated uh, in uh, any kind of metaverse or online game or on other side, uh, very fresh project island. It's a cross chain metaverse that basically utilize uh, Ready Player Me avatars and other avatars and even NFT collections. For that, uh, this particular project provide the avatar utility for different NFT collections. So, and in this way, we see the blockchain as a development and business tool for a particular project. Uh, uh, thank you. Guys, I, I have a question. Uh, I, I say it again, I, I'm not a gamer uh, and, and maybe my, my question is naive, but I have the, the feeling and it seems that the time to go to market, go live in Web3, the gaming is industry is significantly uh, reduced in comparison with uh, the traditional uh, gaming uh, industry. So what is your thought? Uh, so I have a comment about that, that is just about different culture inside the industry, as I did uh, on the current market between different companies. So basically, most of the web-free games or hardcore classic games from classic enterprise companies is going to be developed into stealth mode. So the game is developing under some secret condition, then the product is ready, it's going to, to market. But in the web-free space, in the blockchain gaming space, we see the tendency that uh, most of the projects started the open development and involve community in the project to test the gameplay and product hypothesis 
and to build the project with the community. So it's reduced the risks and it's provided us an opportunity to be sure that when we go with our game to the global market, all product hypotheses will be tested uh, with the community of the game that we will support and participate on the promotion of the project and uh, in the early stages. Interesting point of view. Kyle, what do you see uh, uh, regarding data? And, uh... Yeah, I think there's a major uh, barrier to entry, even if uh, the open source uh, nature of think about Unreal Engine, uh, it might reduce uh, development time. Um, but at the same time, it's how do you get gamers to actually use uh, your blockchain solution and play your blockchain game? So we've seen people do the play to earn model and that necessarily didn't work. It created a huge dump of Axie, which to me is one of the stronger players in this space. Uh, they have a very complex game um, and they continue to evolve. But because of that play to earn structure and all the different uh, ways that it can be manipulated, mainly by bots, it, it kind of creates a high barrier to entry to actually grow a game in this space, at least currently. And, and how could we solve, uh, resolve this uh, main issue for the long run? It's better uh, to open up. Yes, I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah I, I, I agree. Most of the project have, uh, has really bad uh, talk tokenomics. Uh, I, well, you got to think, I have, uh, I don't know if anyone followed uh, Krabata, um, but Krabata was booming. It was huge. It was the biggest gas burner on Avalanche for months. And it had looked like it had so much momentum that it had so much growth. And then kind of came the realization that it was all bots. And these bots dumped the project, destroyed the project. And it, it, to me, I don't even think it uh, runs anymore. I think They tried stopping these mining bots, but when they did, what do I have written down here? They lost 37% of their traders. So that means that these people were just cycling this money just to dump. So the 70% or 60% of the people who were honestly playing and trying to earn were being hurt by these bad actors, by these bots, by these people who didn't care about the future of the game. They might be from a poor country, a third world country, and that $2 sell or $3 sell is going to help feed their family for a week. So you can't necessarily blame them, but at the same time, it destroyed a beautifully made gank. Colin, your fault? Yeah, I think it's it's hard enough kind of balancing just an in-game economy, let alone having digital ownership of those in-game assets be in the hands of your gamers. So I think uh, we're going to see the evolution of gaming business models change drastically, tokenomics change drastically. It's my opinion, based off of what Kyle was just saying, right, that games will start to move away from play to earn towards play and earn, where you're rewarded with actual assets that make the game more fun or engaging to play versus some baseline, you know, token that you earn just for investing time or, or you know, player actions in the game. Um, so I see that kind of evolving away from play to earn to play and earn, but Kind of talking about what Kyle was mentioning too, I think the biggest issue right now is barrier of entry, right? Uh, most people I know that play games don't know very much about blockchain. If they do, uh, the, the big question is, I don't know what to do with that wallet, right? The average person is not going to keep a 12 word seed phrase. They're not going to jump through all the hoops that it takes right now to be involved in Web3. And, you know, when we finally solve that, yes, we'll we'll get more people involved in these ecosystems and it will make it easier for a lot of these projects to kind of weed out what business models are working and what aren't. But I think there's a lot to learn 
uh, from all the different uh, gaming projects that are out there right now um, over the next couple of years, how these business models evolve, you know, paying close attention to that and 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 in heating the the bot issue, right? Because there's going to be a, a big issue with with people just trying to cash in for a quick buck, um, which could destroy in-game economies and could destroy the the overall success of a particular game. Um, so I think developers need to be very mindful of that and reward people for participating in their game more with assets that will help them enjoy the game more versus stuff that's just a you know a pseudo job where they're just earning money in their free time. Yeah, I, I do agree. Katarina, which advice could could you give to uh, game uh, builders, web free game builders uh, today to escape uh, uh, you know this uh, issue and this hype uh, uh, base uh, pump? And then uh, seeing project mostly uh, dead, as uh, we have seen uh, a lot recently. Well, uh, it's not even about the advice I would like to, to give. Uh, like we see lots of projects who are dead because they came not for being a project. They came just to take money. And uh, we saw lots of projects in gamify industry who were just uh, actually appeared out of nothing, not because they're great gamers, though they know how to uh, run the game, but uh, because they just like bought a cheap game that didn't uh, uh, go fine, like uh, in Vietnamese or Chinese market or somewhere in Asia for pretty cheap, rescaled it and uh, put their some uh, blockchain. Um, and uh, I guess like we, we all know these kind of projects, right? So, and then like eventually the, the project died. So it's, uh, if they're talking about like legitimate project, if they're talking about like a real gamify project, for sure, I like uh, Colin's idea about play and earn. And uh, I'm actually, I'm excited uh, to see more and more projects who are looking into the traditional market and they do think how to convert blockchain into something visible. So people would just like play, but I don't think that it would solve the issue regarding bots because uh, all these games, unfortunately, there is huge competition. And in blockchain space, we have mostly people who are not uh, that much uh, professional in the industry. Like I, I, I'm like, if you're talking about average founders of the Gamify project and uh, founders of games of Ubisoft, for instance, right? It's completely different level uh, regarding experience of the managing project. So I don't think uh, we would go somewhere far from rewards where everybody would use bots for. So the project still can collapse because of these uh, bots. But at the same time, the economics, yes, Kyle, I definitely agree with you. Like uh, projects should look more at that economics. And uh, unfortunately, I haven't seen any you know, like brilliant economics that worked uh, like 100%. Not yet. Maybe I missed something. I hope it's coming or I, I hope I missed something. I don't know. But yes, it's mostly the economics, thinking about your project as real business, thinking about your community, what might incentivize them, not only talking about rewards, thinking about the quality of the game itself because we do need quality. We do need to make games being interesting, what Kyle mentioned just in the beginning of our talk. And uh, for sure, I could say that uh, play and earn what Colin said. Kyle, what is your point of view? What could be the, the best, the perfect tokenomics, the best approach for a web-free gaming project? 
Well, how I like tokenomics in general is there has to be, because if you have all the sell pressure, there obviously has to be buy pressure there to help it out. I mean, look at Bitcoin in the past two weeks, because there was no uh, buy pressure, all the open interest uh, that was happening wasn't met with uh, someone there to buy. So we kind of hurt our Bitcoin price here. So when it comes to play to earn, there has to be, if money is coming in, as soon as that money comes in, almost some of it needs to go to a reserve. And that reserve can help maybe cushion some of the blow, uh, almost like an AMM, but for NFTs. So then your NFT isn't just a race to the bottom. It might be a little more gradual. Now, I kind of wanted to circle back because I think the onboarding is extremely important. And I did not invest in this project. I don't think it had a funding round. But the idea to me was genius. It's Bittendo. And Laurent, you might like this because uh, you said you only used to play Pong. So that's kind of what they're doing is they're taking these old games like uh, Super Mario, Donkey Kong, and what they're doing is they're putting them in bars, conferences with a Bitcoin node in it. Because we've been hearing about ordinals and how Bitcoin can transfer data on the blockchain. So by putting a node with a little basic screen and these NES cap capabilities in there, uh, all someone at the bar would have to do is go up with their phone, screenshot this or go to this QR code and then boom, they're onboarded. It doesn't take them more work. It's not like they have to set up a MetaMask, remember these seed phrases. And it, it's a little centralized because it does take you to a centralized exchange uh, to earn Satoshis. So when you're playing this game at the bar, at first they're going to do it for free just to get people playing the game at the bar. And then, you know, when you refer someone to an exchange, you get a little kickback. So basically that kickback is then going to the user. So now this user might never have had exposure to Bitcoin, but now just from playing a game that they loved when they were kids, Super Mario, uh, they're earning Satoshis, they're earning Bitcoin. It might only be a couple cents here and there, but that can really start to onboard people uh, more to decentralized finance and to Bitcoin and to Web3. Um, so I do kind of look that these easier ways to get people on the blockchain, like Colin said, is extremely important. And if we give them stuff that they know and we make it easy for them, we could see more users. I think I should uh, start to play again to, to Mario to earn uh, some, uh, some sad so after him, what, what in the, in the technical point of view, what, what could we improve, um, and, and maybe radically change? to facilitate uh, user adoption onboarding. Because uh, if you, you let me just share with you my personal experience, I am I, I was surprised of, uh, organizing uh, this event uh, that uh, to see so many web free people facing some difficulties to set up a MetaMask and so on, and uh, accept a centralized exchange wallet, they were uh, lost. And I told to myself, oh, we, we should come down uh, talking about mass adoption until uh, we involved in Web3 are all really involved in um, having control of uh, this, uh, this innovation. In your opinion, what can we improve? I have seen a few projects, gaming projects, having a hybrid mode, a Web2 uh, logging and a Web3 logging. Is it something that we will see more and more? Is it a solution? What is your point of view? I'm, I'm here. Thank you. Thank you for the question. So if you're talking about the mass adoption uh, in terms of uh, gaming, I think one of the uh, possible solution uh, that is also in development uh, in our labs, uh, our friend teams is integrated the 
blockchain or crypto wallets directly into the game ed engines. For example, now we are working or ex experimenting in the field of integrating ton wallets or generation of the private and public case directly inside uh, the build of the game. So you have installed game on your phone or in your PC and inside that particular game instance, there is a normal wallet as the MetaMask, but here you basically can avoid at the moment of creating wallets and writing the seed phrase. So basically from, from the user's perspective, it will be really easy. It will be the same flow as they play at the usual game. But then at the moment, then people will be interested to move their assets and monetize their time spent in the game and their game assets, game progress uh, on the open markets not inside the inbuilt marketplace that will not uh, request some in external wallet. So only in this moment, uh, players will be uh, pushed to learn about how to create MetaMask or Trust Wallet or any other non-custodial wallet that players can use to trade their assets on third-party marketplaces like OpenSea or different other ones. So it, 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 it confirms what uh, you were saying, uh, Kyle, that we should sacrifice maybe a bit the decentralization uh, for now in order to, to better uh, facilitate the user adoption onboarding. Yes, and we're seeing this even with uh, Layer 2s and with wallets. I mean, we have Coinbase now creating their own Layer 2. Uh, Goldman Sachs wants to create their own wallet. So the easier we can make onboarding these people to DeFi, uh, the better. Even if we have to sacrifice going through a centralized entity like Goldman Sachs or Coinbase to get there, we still need to somehow onboard fiat dollars uh, for all of this to work. Because like I you know, was mentioning, if there's no buy pressure on any of these game economies, uh, they're just going to keep getting pulled lower and lower uh, to the ground. And Colin, um, you are a player. I, I think you have some friends, also uh, players, uh, gamers. Do they play to web free game or you are an uh, exception? How do you onboard uh, your uh, gamers' friends? Let's say web traditional game coming, uh, joining a web free game. Sure. I mean... E yeah, you need to make it as easy as logging in today, right? If you have a, a, a gamer tag, a, a Steam login, um, logging into certain platforms with your your socials, right? With your your Gmail account or Facebook or Instagram or et cetera. Like we need to make it accessible for people to be able to just easily jump in. And yes, that's going to sacrifice some centralization um, or decentralization rather for for that centralized method. But I think that's a requirement to get people in 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 you know participating in these environments and. Um, for developers out there, kind of going back to what you were saying earlier, do I, do I have any tips for developers and things like that? It's uh, to focus on the game and make the game fun and engaging. It's going to be, it's already difficult enough, right? To create a good game and engaging game and then balance in-game economy on top of that. So you don't break the game and um, ruin that that level of fun or that 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 chase, that carrot on a stick that gamers have. You don't want to like dilute the, the in-game economy. So just focus on making the game fun and then everything else will come after that. But I think, and this is something that not a lot of people are really talking about yet. I know it's like the buzzword right now is AI, but I really think that um, the application of AI towards in-game economies and how that relates to the open market for Web3 digital assets is going to play a major role in balancing the, the economy. So like a perfect example is World of Warcraft, right? A game that's been around 19 years 
Um, they had people that would, they, they called them gold farmers, people that would just play the game to earn in-game assets and then sell that for real-world money. How do you de-incentivize people from doing that that's just going to flood the market and reduce the value? And, and you're basically penalizing people who don't play that often because then you'd have to increase the value artificially of all the in-game items because so many people are just flooding the market with the in-game token. So th there needs to be an analysis of who's doing what in a particular game and then you know balance that in-game economy maybe throttle certain users that are playing you know 15 16 17 hours a day um throttle how much they're able to earn on um you know kind of a, a gradual scale um and that will maybe curtail a lot of nefarious behavior that would destroy the the, the in-game economy but yeah i think that there needs to be um real data analysis of of both the in-game and open market economies when it comes to the development of the Web3 gaming ecosystems. Um, and it's something that developers should be mindful of. I, I do think AI is going to be a, a big tool in that analysis. Um, so looking forward to seeing what, what developers do. And we have Kyle uh, ready also to share his uh, data analysis. Guys, I, I, yeah, so I, this, is, this is interesting too, uh, what Colin brought up here. Because let's say the in-game assets only keep going up like we're seeing now with Axie once they kind of fixed uh, their model. So now to start playing on Axie, you have to spend a lot of money just to get going or you have to lease someone's uh, characters just to be able to play. So there is even that balance of what happens if it goes too high? Then you can't onboard new users, which is also important. Um, so they're really, it's really a big time uh, balance there. And you're seeing with Alien Worlds, who is kind of, it's kind of a free to start that right now they're blowing Axie out of the water when it comes to uh, unique active wallets. They're, you know, around Splinterlands level uh, right now. And their model is, it's kind of an idle uh, mining strategy. So you just have to log in, uh, I think every day or something like that to kind of keep increasing your points. So that user who's 17 hours, 18 hours, like Colin mentioned, they're not going to necessarily get a bigger advantage from the rest of the folks. And that might help onboard some more people because, again, once it gets too high, it's hard to get new active wallets. I mean, Axie uh, is barely in the, what do I have here? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. They're barely in the top 10. They're seventh now when it comes to unique active wallets across the whole game five sphere. Very interesting uh, point of view. Uh, guys, the time is running uh, so fast. I learned a lot. I want to thank you again. A last word for each one. And uh, I promise that uh, for the next uh, edition, we will have a longer uh, panel discussion uh, slot, so we, we will be able to continue uh, Ferrari's uh, discussion. We want uh, to start for the last word. Kyle? Uh, yeah, just want to uh, thank everyone here, all the panelists. Uh, you guys were all awesome. I loved hearing everyone's point of view, because um, a lot of these questions are very difficult to answer, and that's why we need these people like ourselves and all of you to come together and really think about these hard ideas, not just uh, how do we quickly get something into the market and make a bunch of money from fundraising and then forget about it? It's how do we scale this and how do we make this mass adoption happen? And the more we can get together in forums like this, thank you, Laurent and Web3 Foundation, the more uh, we can do better for our industry and for the globe. Thank you. Katerina? Well, uh, from my side, I think uh, Kyle uh, sum up it all 
And um, I could say that it's definitely a pleasure to hear that we have uh, such experts who actually like uh, looking at the market, who are not just like, uh, you know, like uh, taking some knowledge from the above, from the surface and uh, don't know like anything what's happening in the market. So that's really cool to be with all of you on the panel today and to discuss everything and uh, to debate in certain moments, but still like I'm fully aligned with what you said, guys. And I think like with such experts, we have pretty fruitful future in Web3. And uh, I like the idea of calling regarding AI and uh, gaming economy. I do think it might be the future. I haven't thought about it, but yeah, why not? And thank you so much, Web3 Foundation, for this amazing initiative. I hope uh, there are going to be much more like that. Yeah, yeah. With we plan to. Thanks to you. Uh, Colin, your, your last word. Yeah, uh, thank you, Laurent. Thank you, Web3 Foundation, for having us today. Thank you to all the, the other panelists for sharing their uh, opinions and ideas. You know, Web3 is going to require uh, a concerted effort by those within the industry. And I think um, working in unison is uh, to the advantage of all of us. You know, it's a, it's a, a, a multi-trillion dollar pie and there's enough pieces for everybody. So uh, it's really refreshing to see that so many people in the space are on the same page. And I'm really looking forward to seeing traditional Web2 gaming companies come into the space open-minded and, and you know, to, to learn from people who are already engaged in the space. Um, so it's going to be very, very exciting the, the coming years. And yeah, I hope to participate in future discussions. And uh, shameless plug, check out Rubik, rubik.exchange. Welcome. Artem, the final uh, word. Okay, thank you very much uh, all for organizing this great event uh, and this uh, virtual summit. And uh, in conclusion, regarding the topic, uh, I would like to say that Gamify and the free technologies are transforming the business models of the gaming industry by creating new economic models based on mutualism. And uh, as we already talked today, these new models enable players to become stakeholders uh, inside the game economy and earning by playing games and owning in game assets. And also the game developers benefits from the news from these new models uh, and it's creating new engaging and enjoyable game experience that generates more revenue. So the future of the gaming industry looks promising as gamify and the pre-technologies continue to involve creating new opportunities for players and game developers. So let's see that uh, new year uh, will show us in this uh, in this particular area and I hope that we will see a lot of AA companies and enterprises come to the space and show what is blockchain gaming uh, from the enterprise point of view. Thank, thanks to you guys. I will just add a, a last word. I, I cross my finger that uh, for the next uh, bull run, we will not face again, you know, this uh, huge wave of uh, people coming and uh, delivering a short-term uh, project and just trying to extract uh, the the a lot of money in a short period of time and uh, rather seeing a long-term oriented uh, vision builders and it's what we we want uh, to promote with uh, web3 stronger together thanks again guys it was a pleasure and uh, see you soon bye-bye thank you bye-bye 
Thanks again to our guests and thank you everyone for listening. Thanks also to the Barian Music team for providing their music. You can check them out on barianmusic.com. All of the supporting information is on our website, blockchainrecorded.com. You can listen to us on Google, Apple, and Amazon Podcasts, as well as on YouTube, Spotify, Radio Public, and Stitcher. You can follow us on Twitter and YouTube, where we are super grateful for your support. Stay tuned for our next episode. Thank you.